Dave's Psych Lectures, part of the Thunderbird 6 Podcasting Network. All right, so today we're getting into this stuff. And this is factorial analysis of variance. Um, I just made up some data. Well, I didn't just make these up. I believe I made up these actual numbers in 1996. But let's say we're doing an experiment on retention interval, on the effects of retention interval on memory. This will be a nice simple experiment to do. Right? People in the lab class can tell you this is not a hard experiment to run. You give people a list of words, you have them recall them a few days later. And five, well, what do we have here? We have five minutes, one hour, and 24 hours. This would be a pretty, this is actually a pretty standard set of retention intervals, and this is percent correct. So 90, 70, 60. You'd probably get something like that. Unless Mike's in your, in your, one of your subjects and he studies them in advance. Just an in-joke for those of us. So that's fine. It's all very interesting. It's actually not that interesting. Uh, Ebbinghaus found this in 1881. You're not going to get a publication out of this. Um, so you do the analysis variance, uh, you, you, you calculate everything, and you conclude that the retention interval affects memory. Okay. Way to go, Captain Science. So you've done that, everything's wonderful. But there's more than one variable that affects memory, isn't there? <laughs> Obviously. Uh, the memory class isn't just five minutes long. So Retention interval is one thing, the time between study and test. But what if we did levels of processing? Now, levels of processing uh, is an idea that Craig and Lockhart came up with in 72. It's the idea that the more deeply you process something, the more semantically you process something, the better your memory is going to be. Okay? So if I ask people to rate the pleasantness of a word on a one to seven scale, they're more likely to remember that word, <clears throat> excuse me, than if I have them count the number of ascending and descending letters. Uh, so, you know, like, so if it's written in lowercase letters, like, and the word is, uh, oh, it's two S's. The word's assassin. There's one ascender, and that's the I going up above the line. Okay? A P going below is a D center, right? That kind of thing. So if I have to just count, and that's just looking at the physical properties of the word, they don't remember them as well. Right? So let's look at levels of processing, and we probably find something like this, and we find we do the analysis of variance, and we find that levels of processing affects memory. And again, this would not be earth-shattering whatsoever. Levels of processing affects explicit memory is not a surprising result. Levels of processing shouldn't affect implicit memory, though. But see Chalice and Broadback, 1992, for a rebuttal. Um, fair enough. Again, not that interesting. It's old results. The question I want to ask is, what level of retention interval should you do the levels of processing experiment at? Should five minutes, one hour, 24 hours? We can even turn that question on its head. What level of levels of processing should we do the retention of an experiment at? Uh, dude. 
This is not that deep a question. I'm just trying to keep you interested. <laughs> so, and I think, you know, just think about it, really, those are real serious questions one could ask. When we have, and we, many times, I mean, in, in, in anything behavioral, psychology, uh, really any kind of life science in general, we don't tend to have single variables affecting something. Uh, our theories are based on this and this come together and do this. That's how they work. So why not put them together and go, the G's, by the way, we group. Okay? That's all those G's mean. That's just a notation I use. We have different subjects in different groups, five minutes, one hour, 24 hours, and we cross it with low, medium, and high levels of processing. Right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Suddenly reminding me of my childhood watching Sesame Street. They never did that either. Like when you guys were kids, they probably didn't have to at the end of the guy like the numbers four, four, lemon meringue, pies, and he falls and the pies all hit him. Sesame Street used to be really edgy. Funny, my brother, who learned of course a lot, like a lot of kids, to count watching Sesame Street, um, he counted like he was from an inner city in the United States. He spoke with a sort of standard Ontario accent like I do, but he'd say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> Which was awesome. Like when he was like three, and that went away. He doesn't get like he's 44 years old now, he doesn't get like that now. So we got low, medium, and high levels of processing. We got five minutes, one hour, 24 hours, and we got the nine groups. We've put these two things together now. Right? And I think you could probably all take it 21, 27. You all knew where I was going with this. So there's got to be a model here. There's got to be analysis of variance, obviously. Let's get a model. Look at that one. By the way, I'm sorry that these are alphas and betas. That's what they're called. These are not the same as the alpha for, for type 1 and beta for type 1 and type 2 error. Okay? Just letting you know. X equals mu plus alpha plus beta plus alpha beta plus epsilon. So this is any score, that's X, right? It's always any score. Equals the grand mean, we talked about that ad nauseum, ad infinitum a couple of weeks ago. Any score, everybody starts there. Plus the A effect. The A effect just means whatever A is, it could be retention interval in this case. You want to make your attention to the last one. So in general, we call it A. Plus beta, that's the B effect. So that's variable B. Plus the AB interaction. Okay. They really need wider screens in here. The world has moved on from a 4 by 3 rest screen resolution. And it's really annoying. And of course, error, or as it says here, Earl. AB interact. Yo. A score equals the grand mean plus the effective A plus the effective B plus the AB interaction plus the error. Okay. We're just breaking things down. The only new thing here is the interaction term. 
We have two variables, so we're going to, of course, have um, two what we call main effects. They're just like, they're really just like, uh, or is it just like this guy, just like tau. They're really just like, they're just treatment effects. And then we have error, we still have that. The only extra thing we have, the only new thing you have to think about here is how A and B come together. Okay? How A and B come together. How they come together over and above the effect of A and B by themselves, but added up. So the added over and above the additive effect of A and B. Question so far? Okay. You sure? You good? I think you probably all went into this idea before. I don't think Cheryl breaks it out like breaks down like that. Yeah. Um, that's fine. Uh, that's not just teaching. No, you would have seen it wrong. I don't think so. That's not that course is about, so. But I know she talks about interactions. For sure. She breaks it, breaks it down pretty simply. Yeah. Well, it's oh, it's the effect of A and B, the effect of B effect interaction. Yeah. Well, those are the effects you're interested in anyway. Right. Okay. Let's explain this a bit further. Um, so not only we look at A and B by themselves, so the effective levels of processing, the effective retention interval, and the effect of this projector from 1960 out of my way. What do they think about Don Draper? I mean, it looks like Mad Men in here. I got an overhead projector. What it looks like a carousel slide thing. We're all starting smoking. Isn't that bad? That's how we used to do conferences. We had slides. You know what these are called? Slides and PowerPoint keynote? Because we used to use actual slides. You couldn't say, oh, you don't make typos on your slides. Because you would actually print things out using one of them expensive laser printers. And then you would give it to a photographer who would take pictures of them. That's how slides used to work. When someone said, oh, you've got to change that slide, you'd go, oh, I've only got a week. I don't think I can get the child slide changed in time. People are so lucky. You young people today and your complicated rap music. <laughs> so, we're not only looking at A and B, we're going to look at how A and B come together, how they interact. Sort of a whole is more than the sum of its parts kind of thing. Okay, let's, let's think about this. If you come, okay, if we're gonna, let's, we're gonna predict people's income. And we're gonna say there's two important variables, and one's gonna be IQ. Because the smarter you are, the more money you make, there's a lot of data like that. And one's gonna be what socioeconomic status you came from to begin with. Yes, I know there are people that pull them up from through their own bootstraps and end up going from, well, there's Barack Obama, there's, there's, there's Bill Clinton. There are people who become the most powerful person in the world, and they grow up poor. There are people like that. But most people that grow up poor kind of stay there. And most people that grow up rich kind of stay there. Right? It's just the way to, I didn't say it was fair. I didn't say I liked it. Just is. Right? It's also true smart people do better in life than dumb people. Is it fair? No. Life isn't fair. Okay. So, being smart, you make more money. Being rich already, you're gonna make more money. Being smart and rich, you're doing really well. Being dumb and poor, 
It's got to be worse than just being dumb and just being poor. I didn't get it. Right? Being black is harder than being white. Right? Just is. Racism. People discriminate against you. It's not fair. I don't like it. It's wrong. It's also true. No, there is no more racism. Obama's president. Um, <laughs> being a woman is harder than being a guy. Right? Just is. Women make less money than men. I didn't say it was fair, but it's true. Being a black woman must be even harder than just being a woman to be a black guy together. That's kind of sad. I can only ever think of sad examples for interactions. I don't know why. Oh, here's one. Drinking alcohol affects your reaction time. Makes it longer. So does taking phenobarbital. Drinking alcohol and taking phenobarbital makes your reaction time really long. Longer than just the phenobarbital or just the alcohol. In fact, if you do it the right way, you'll make it forever because it'll kill you. That's a long reaction time. That's an interaction. Another depressing interaction. Again, I can't think of happy ones. But if you did it right, you'd have a really good, you'd be really wasted. How about a happy kid with a lollipop? Yeah. Makes you happier, kid. I don't know. Happy kid with lollipop. Okay, let's go with that. Sure, sure, fair enough. But then you have to go the other way. There's still the sad kid that gets no lollipop. Or has it taken away. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Then there's the elephant in the room here. I'm a white male. <laughs> um... <laughs> As Lewis C.K. says, doesn't matter what time you do. In history, you show up, white people kind of screw everybody else around, and it's really okay to deal with them. Um, that's a joke, by the way, for those scoring at home. He's a comedian. Interactions are basically the whole is more than some of its parts. It's the idea, right? It's not just the effect of one thing in another, put it together, added together. It's then there's something else added on. Being a child who Sophie makes sad and steals their lollipop, uh, that kind of thing. Because she does that. That's her, that's what her honors thesis is going to be next year. She asked me. She said, "Can I take lollipops from random children?" And I said, "We're going to have trouble getting that through ethics, but uh, and if you want to be mean, that's fine." Getting parental consent too. No, no, we're not getting. Do that. That's right. No, I'm just going to say that happens in real life. It's, uh, that happens. Yeah, it's you know, there's no expectation of privacy. Kids with lollipops have to stolen all the time. That's impressive. Because that's when you start thinking you get it, you hope you've never read the, the birds. It's like I quit, you know. And that's when someone tells you later on that seagulls really are dinosaurs, right? Because then the dinosaurs see you now say a dinosaur stole my chocolate. And that is awesome. So now we're going to read story. Yeah, they're down by Bellevue Park, and yeah. they decided to sit on the back hatch of the truck, yeah. and seagulls just came diving at us. Yeah. That's went down to my daughter's plate, took her burger off, and I was okay, we're inside the truck now, because yeah. <laughs> they're diving at us. Oh, yeah. What, is it, was it in the, in the spring? No, it was summertime. That's it interesting. In the, in the spring, that wouldn't surprise me. It's not uncommon for dull behavior in the spring. You take animal behavior next year, learn all about it. Um, so while this is depressing, we're taking lollipops from children. We're, we're, we're causing, we're, we're, we're causing racism and sexism. 
We're, we're having dinosaurs steal food from children. We're basically taking things from children. Um, no matter what, you know, hopefully you see the point of their interactions. And here's a way to put it into words rather than talking about stealing lollipops or racism. <laughs> the effect of one variable changes depending upon the level of some second variable. The effect of one variable changes depending upon the level of some second variable. If we were to look at it, those of you guys that have taken memory or the guys in here that are in the lab class know about this a little bit. If we have retention interval, let's go with uh, five minutes, one hour, and seven days. Um, and we have two kinds of memory. One of them is implicit memory, filling in blanks, word breakers. That doesn't decay over time. And recalling the words does. Tobin Shack and Stark, 1982. Look at this. We have one thing here where there's no effect at all. This is an implicit memory task. The effect of retention interval doesn't even happen. And with the explicit task, it happens a lot. This is all we're interested in here is the interaction. It's all we care about. It's all we care about. The effect of one variable changes depending upon the level of some second variable. That's what interaction is. Questions so far? The effect of one variable changes depending upon the level of some second variable. Okay. Okay. So here's a graph. I don't know what we're measuring here. But we have two variables, A, which has two levels, A1 and A2, and B, which has two levels, B1, which is sort of purpley color, and B2, which is kind of reddish. These projectors suck. It looks great on my screen. Isabel just bought a new projector. It's this big, and it's better than any projector we have in this whole university. And it's this big. We got these big pigs. It's horrible. Anyway, and it's brighter too. I'm thinking of bringing it camping. Not to give talks. You know. Hook it up to the computer, a couple of speakers, you got a TV, it rains. That was raining. It's raining. Go inside the trailer watching TV. So, if you take a look at this, that's exactly what I'm talking about here. The effect of, take a look at the effect of B. B1 is smaller than B2 at A1, isn't it? Right? B1 is a lot smaller than B2 at A2. Right? The effect of B changes depending upon the level of A. Yeah. There's no interaction. What? They're not in interaction. There sure is an interaction. The effect of B is big here and is small here. It's small at A1 and big at A2. I had the I here's a here's sort of a, a little tip. 
If you have to talk about the other variable when you talk, if you have to talk about both variables at the same time, you can't talk about one separately, you have an interaction. I can't talk about the effect of B without mentioning A. It's hard for me to. I can't say, I can say that B1 is bigger, sorry, B2 is bigger than B1. Not yet. B2 is bigger than B1. I can say that, but I have to qualify that by saying, especially at A2. Right? So I, if I have to qualify that, if I have to mention that it, the level of the other variable, I've, I've, I've got an interaction. Okay? Again, questions? And I know you've all seen graphs like this. The difference between B1 and B2 is smaller at A2. Oh, sorry, I should say at A1 than it is at A2. If it says at A2 than it is at A2, that's just confusing. At A1 than it is at A2. Sorry about that. The effect of B changes depending upon the level of A. It's small at A1 and big at A2. Right? It's small at A1 and big at A2. Do you see that? Does that make some sense? Just look at the graph. It should hopefully fall into place. Right. So, so far you're okay. So here's the model, x equals mu plus alpha plus beta plus alpha beta plus epsilon. Um, this model has some assumptions. Let's, let's get that out of the way. Let's get the assumptions out of the way and get back to looking at this stuff. So the assumptions of the model itself are that the sum of the alpha sub i is equal zero. So what does that mean? Well, it's just like here. Oh, it's going on. We used to have, I used to have up there x equals uh, mu plus tau plus epsilon. Remember, if one set of scores went up two, the other set of scores went down by two if we had two groups. So if we were to add the effect of A at, at level one, and A at level two up, and A at level three up, that should sum to zero. And in fact, it has to. So if it's going to increase the scores in one group, you have two groups. And let's just make it the ultimate simple kind of design, what we call a two by two. So if we have a two by two, let me just draw this up here. It would look like this, a one, a two, one, a two. Um, the effect of being of getting level one of A, let's say that raises you up by two, that means the effect of getting level two of A depresses you by two. Okay? It must. Later on, uh, perhaps today, perhaps Thursday, when we go further into this, you will see that it must. There is no way it cannot. So the sum of the alpha I's, this is just levels. So A1, A2. That's just an index, okay? That the sum of the alpha i's equals zero. The sum of the beta j's equals zero. J's a different index, again, for group one and group two. So again, if we're doing it with b's here, 
Let's say this, let's say B1 raises you by four, B2 has to depress the scores by four. This is an assumption of the model. It must work that way. And you will see again, as I said, that it does. And it, there is no way it cannot. Questions so far? Good? Okay. The sum of the alpha i beta j's, there should be a j in there, alpha i beta j's equals zero. Now what does that mean? That means the interaction terms must sum to zero. So, if this one here raises your score by three, A1, B1, that must depress your score by three, that must depress your score, that depress your score by three, and this must raise your score by three. So if A1, B1 is plus three, A2, B1 must be minus three, a1, B2 must be minus 3, and A2, B2 must be plus 3, because they have to sum to 0 altogether, but they also have to sum in rows and columns to 0. Okay? Questions so far? Even if you don't understand why yet, do you understand what I mean when I say that? Okay. Good. Because we'll get to why. And it will act. If you understand why already, that's great. If you don't, don't worry about it. We'll get there and it'll make all complete sense. Okay, this is just a standard assumption. Error is normally distributed and independent, NID with a mean of zero and a sigma and a, a variance of sigma squared. In other words, the error is normal and random and independent. That's a standard assumption of analysis variance. Shouldn't surprise you. We need what we need is we need a wider screen and a projector that points higher up so it's not doesn't have the podium in the way. What ergonomic genius designed this room? Yeah? What did you say that that meant? Just error is normally distributed as the name, independent with a mean of zero and a variance of sigma squared. So all it means is that, that the independence part just says that if I know what, if I know the effect of being you, I don't know the effect of being her. It's never the independence assumption I was talking about, right? So that's all that, that really is. Uh, the fact that it's going to have a mean of zero just means that if we added all the effects of all the people up over and above the grand mean, it'll just sum to zero. So it's, it's another sum to zero one, but it's also saying it has a variance of sigma squared and epsilon, just error variance. Way too good names, so we call it sigma squared and epsilon. Right. Other questions? Good question. Everybody's good? You okay? Yeah, yeah, you're okay with that? Just take a shirt. Just take a shirt. I've been back here before a lot, so I'm just making checking out if it's okay back here. Yeah, you can actually see it here. Okay, it's not that that's a good that's a good seat. This is why so he's got Mike's got a good seat. I think Sophie's playing the worst seat. No, the worst seat's right here. That's what we're seat's right here. No, no, here, this is no, no, believe me, Denny, you sat there, you can't see anything. I tried at the beginning, I was like, no. Usually I'm standing here, plus this whole monstrosity is in the way. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, I don't know. This is horrible. They gotta do something. I gotta talk to that committee. See, that's my job. You don't understand the other parts of my job, the parts I hate. Well, now I've gotta talk to a committee. Anyway, sir, I'm back. <laughs> a horrible meeting on Friday, except that then I'm trying, the way I'm going to get through the University Senate meeting on Friday, those of you that follow me on Facebook know how much I love University Senate meetings. <laughs> um, by through the whole thing, I'm going to sit there thinking, but soon I go to Florida. Yeah. That's all I'm going to think as I'm seething with anger. Okay. So that's the model. The F, we're going to have to do some F tests. There's going to be, it's an Alice variance. You've got to do the F. And I don't mean the delicious Vietnamese noodle dish. Nobody? Uh, I mean F test. It's got assumptions as well. A homogeneity variance, which you know. Random samples. Okay, we can violate homogeneity variance kind of severely, about four to one. I told you that before. We can violate the crap out of random sample. Happily, because we don't, most of us don't have the resources to do true random samples. Right? Then all research will be done simply by big polling companies, you know, like to do election polling, and that would be horrible. Um, we don't need random samples. We don't need those thinking random samples. <laughs> all we need really are some people. Or some rats or whatever. It's nice. ANOVA really stands up well to violations of the random sample assumption. Uh, we need normal populations. Again, we can violate the crap out of that. It technically it needs it, but we don't really need it. So technically, this random sample, normal population, we don't really need those things though. They're just nice to have. If you get those, it's even better. Then I said, no, when you violate an assumption, it makes the test more conservative anyway. So that's the nice thing. It doesn't give you false positives if you violate an assumption. It gives you false negatives. So the nice thing is you don't make an idiot yourself saying something happened that wasn't there. It just that if something's there, you might miss it. And that's no good. We violate those two all the time. Any experiment ever that tests if men and women are different. Well, being male or female are not normally distributed. Just aren't. Right? It's binary. And don't go into all this stuff about, well, just to continue, I mean, I'm talking about number of Y chromosomes one has. Yes, I know there are people with more than one Y chromosome. I'm not stupid. I'm annoying, sure. Bit of a know-it-all, but I'm not stupid. I'm actually a professional know-it-all. Okay. Okay, here's a numerical example which is only half on the screen. That's just fracking dandy. Okay. You know what? Anybody tape? We just tape that right on there. That works. So why don't you just pull it up and you can see it on the back What do you guys think of that? Would that be better? Is that, is that better or is that worse? Like, I don't know. I can't see, eh? <laughs> so I don't know if that's better or worse. Like, to me, it doesn't look really a whole lot different. Colored in with white chalk. Well, no. <laughs> what well, if you do that? I, mean, I, I, think, I think this is worse. I mean, I think it's a matter of, you know, 
they're both pretty bad. But if, look, what's going on here is we got A1, B1 has nine. These are group means. I'm just making up means. Uh, B1, A2 is seven. A1, B2 is three. And A2, B2, which is a really lame version of a, a, a robot, uh, <laughs> is one. Worst R2 unit ever. It's the beta version. What do you guys think of the, of, of the whole thing with the, the new, this new Star Wars, Star Wars things? Do you think it's good? There's a new Star Wars. No, there's going to be yeah. a whole bunch of new Star Wars stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit classic. <laughs> I wonder if it's... Well, I'm always that. I would ask, are they going to start getting good? Star Wars, just isn't, you know, Star Trek, that's good. The first Star Wars. Yeah, the, the first original one, yeah, yeah, but then they kind of went overboard. No, I think the, the second one's a great movie. The third one's even good. And then those three prequels were horrid. Yeah. One time Yoda tweeted at me. <laughs> What's that? Who did Yoda? Yeah. yeah, it's not really Yoda. You know that. No, it is. <laughs> Yoda's, Yoda's on Twitter. That's great. That's, that's great. He tweeted at me. That's good. Okay. Frank Underwood from House of Cards follows me. Oh, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> I don't know what it is. J.J. Abrams is going to have something to do with us. But Star Trek is more important. <laughs> Much more important. Okay. So there we go. There's an exp- I don't know. Look, I don't know what A and B are. I am not a creative person. I just, I don't do that stuff. I don't, I can, I can make up experiments, but they're, you know, Look, it's A and B. They have two levels, one and two. Make up your own variables. Okay. We know this. X equals B plus alpha plus beta plus alpha beta plus epsilon. And I can do it for three. X equals B plus alpha plus beta plus gamma plus alpha beta plus beta gamma plus alpha gamma plus alpha beta gamma plus epsilon. It's easy. You've done, you do this enough, it just sort of... It's a memory bird. Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to take out parts, we're going we're, we're to break these numbers down into their constituent parts. Okay, that's what we're going to do. We're breaking down into their constituent parts. And that's, it's kind of cool. And in fact, in, in essence, that's what analysis variates does, right? Where we partition everything. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take out the grand mean and it applies to everybody. So the grand mean here is going to be. Well, 9 and 7 is 16 and 3 is 19 and 1 is 20. I now, so the total is 20. I'm not going to divide by 4 because there's 4 cells, 4 groups. And they're mathematically inclined out there, 20 divided by 4 is 5. So the grand mean is 5. Okay? Everybody see how I got that? You see how I, I just took the numbers, added them up, and I'm dividing by 4 to get the grand mean. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You're good? Okay. So now I'm going to take five. I've taken five out of each cell. I'm going to remove the grand mean. And that's what I've done here. So with the grand mean removed, we can now go on and see if there's any effect in A and B. Well, I took the grand mean out, you end up with 4, 2, negative 2, negative 4 for A1, B1, A2, B1. A1, B2, and A2, B2. 
Now what I'm going to do now is I want to find the effect of B. So what I've done here is I'm summing cross A. 4, 2, 6, negative 2, negative 4 is negative 6. I'm now going to divide by 2, because for B1, I have two things. I'm just taking the mean. The average elevation of scores in B is plus 3. It score, raises the scores up by 3. We know that it must decrease the scores by 3 in B2, because that's an assumption. And in fact, that's true. It's negative 6 divided by 2, which is negative 3. So the effect of B1, so the simple main effect, we call that of B1, is 3. And the simple main effect of B2 is negative 3. Do you see how I got that? Make sense? Everybody's good? So again, all I do is I sum the cross A. I'm ignoring A. I'm just getting the effect of B. B is different at level 1 and level 2. Unlike the grand mean that applies to every single cell, the, this one here only applies to B1. This one here only applies to B2. Okay. I'm now going to suck that in. I'm removing... 3 from B1, and I'm subtracting negative 3 from B2. Now, subtracting negative 3 is the same as adding 3, for those of you that forgot about that. Right? So now what I have, now I've removed, actually, just out of curiosity, if you take a look at this, if I've removed the grand mean, if I've subtracted it, this thing holds, oh, look, it all sums to 0. If I've, subtra if I've taken out the effect of B, if I go across B, oh look, it sums to zero. See, they're gone. They're gone. It's like magic. It's not all like magic. It's like I'm David Copperfield. Who was he, who was he married to a long time ago? Carmen Electra or something like that? Because I was always his biggest magic trick was convincing her that he was attractive. Thank you. <laughs> Not really my joke. I don't know who's it is, but I stole it from somebody. Okay. So now let's do across, some across B, the effect of A. One and one is two. I always hope that whenever I get to this slide, nobody from the math department is walking by. Yeah. One and one is two. And negative one and negative one is negative two. So the effect of A1 is one, and A2 is negative one. Again, note that they sum to zero. Note that, yeah, go ahead. So do we always start with B first? You could. Okay. You would always start with the thing that's the most, to make it easiest, and certain things most general. So the grand mean. You actually could do B first, then A, then the grand mean, then the interaction. But it would be a hell. Okay. Yeah. It's, an, it's a lot easier to make mistakes that way. And what if you had, like, another column? Oh, yeah, sure. So if you have like A, a B1, B2, B3, mm -hmm. so you just go across for all three Bs, and maybe it's plus 3, minus 2, minus 1. Okay. Right? It, could, it just only sum to 0 altogether. Okay. Yep, good question. Do you have to fix it for the sum to 0? Pardon me? Do you ever have to fix no, it? No, if zero? it doesn't sum to 0, you made a mistake. It can't not sum to 0. It just must. 
Um, you could make up any. The only reason that these all come out as whole, the only way that these are fixed up so that they work, is that I want all whole numbers and no fractions. Which makes life easier. But if you give me any, you can give me a 10 by 15 and give me any set of numbers, they will all it will, it will sum to zero. That's just the way the universe works. It can't not work that way. Because what we're doing is we're taking deviations from a mean out, right? And deviations from a mean must sum to zero. We talked about it way early, right? And that's, that's all these are, deviations from the mean. The mean's been removed, so all that's left are deviations from it. Right? So it has to balance it, and so therefore it must sum to zero. So if, if you ever were playing with one of these and they didn't come out to didn't sum to zero, you made a mistake. You must have made a mistake. There's no other, there is no way you can't have made a mistake if they don't sum to zero. So, but the same thing we did before, we'll do it for the A's now. We're going to take out one from all the A1s, and we're going to take negative one from all the A2s. And we're left with a whole bunch of zeros. So there's nothing there. So there's no interaction. The last thing left would be A and B, and there's no ABs. They're all zeros. There's nothing extra after the main effects, right? So the only thing you have left are zeros. All you have left are zeros. So there's no interaction. You okay, Amanda? How would you have zero left if you're minusing two? No, you subtracted one. Why would you subtract one if it sums to two? Because you divide by two, because it's an average. Right? No, think about it. Look at look, look, look at the page. It sums, it, 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 they're just, it's just an average. Remember before with the grand mean? Remember it sum to 20? Mm -hmm. We divide by four because there's four observations. Yep. Well, here, this sums to two. We divide by two because there's B1 and B2 level of A1, let's say. Right? Is that what we did with B2? Yep. Remember, it's up to six and negative six. We divided by two to get three and negative three. Why do we Right? Why do we divide by two? Because it's just an average. Yep. Good. Glad you asked the question because this—it's easy to get tripped up. It's better to ask than not. So no, it's not like I'm doing something tricky. Right? They're just averages. They're just averages. And if we had three, right? You asked if we had three, what would happen? Well, we would add them all up and divide by three. Right? Because it's, it's just an average. All we're doing is getting averages. So if you have two levels of one variable and three levels of another variable, yeah. everything will still equal up to zero. It has to sum to zero. It must sum to zero. Yes, and it will. It can't not, unless but you make mechanical error. So how would you know if there's an effect then with something if it's... All averaging up to zero. Well, it there doesn't have no effect look, of anything. Well, how? What if we graphed this and saw the, the actual numbers? Don't you see effects there? Yeah, right. So I mean, look at that. Uh, what do we have here? B1 is bigger than B2. We actually had numbers at B1 and B2, didn't we? Plus three and minus three. And A2 is smaller than A1. On average, I just, there, roughly there. 
The scores of A2 are smaller than the scores of A1. Now, do we have an interaction? Well, we know, first of all, just by playing around with it, we don't. But look at those, look at that right there. Does that look like an interaction to you? Well, no. The effect of A, well, it's probably easier with this graph to look at the effect of B. The effect of B is this size here and the same size at B to A2. There's no interaction. The effect of A doesn't change depending upon the level of B. It's the same. They're exactly the same. Okay. Let us do another one. For then it was proclaimed that they will do another example. <laughs> and on that day, I don't know, something with magic. And then things with cloven hooves and horns and such. And then the shaman came from the hills and he played his horn. <laughs> do another example, he said. So they did. <laughs> Okay, here you go. A1, A2, B1, B2. Again, I don't even know what these A's and B's are. They're A's and B's. I just don't. But here's some scores. 20, 0, negative 10, and 2. I, I sound way more excited about that than I should be. What are we going to do first? We are going to remove the grand mean, because the grand mean applies to everything. It's easiest to start there. We're going to do 20 plus 10. Sorry, 20 plus 0. There's a hard one. Minus 10 plus 2 divided by 4. That's going to give us 3, because it's 12 divided by 4. Is three. Please, good. Um, in the first example, yeah. you divide by four twice. Okay, well, nine to seven is sixteen plus three plus one, so that's twenty. Yeah. Divided by four is five. Oh, you just wrote it out. Okay. Yeah, okay. Never mind. That's okay. That's okay. okay. No, I've taught this these examples. Uh, and it was uh, here, one, two, three, four times, and it was in Newfoundland, it's six, and then there's here, this is my uh, eight here, here, so that's uh, 19 times these events. So, uh, <laughs> no, typically I wouldn't, oh, really, have I? No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I know the examples. Okay, so we're going to take out three from each of these. So let's remove the grand mean. Now let's take a look. 20 minus 3 should give us 17. 0 minus 3 should give us negative 3. T negative 10 minus 3 should give us negative 13. 2 minus 3 should give us negative 1. Okay. Now let's just see if I can do arithmetic in my head. Why, yes, I can. <laughs> so the grand mean's gone. I don't know. This time, just to be different, just to change it up, you know, a little spice. I'm going to do the A's first, not the B's. Okay. 17 plus negative 13 is 4. Negative 3 plus negative 1 is 4. And negative 4, we're going to divide by 2 because we have two observations. Okay? The A effect is 2 for A1 and negative 2 for A2. By the way, you can convince yourself that you've removed the grand mean properly because already 
all these things. Now the red mean's gone, and this should be what? Zero. Now it should be the mean, right? Oh, look, it is. Cool. You can always check your work all the way through whenever you're working on one of these things. The beauty of it. So we got 2 for 81 and negative 2 for 82. So let's remove those. Note again, they sum to zero. This is not magic. It is a property of how numbers work. This isn't a, me cooking up an example so it worked that way. The only way it's cooked up is such that I don't want to use fractions because you could end up with a quarter doing the grand mean. Yeah, did it. So when you're doing your columns, you're adding, but when you're doing your rows, you're subtracting. No. 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 You always add. Always add. Then divide by whatever number of observations. Yeah, there's nothing tricky like that. Except on Tuesday. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah, so you just add them, right? Just take a look. See, oh, yeah. add them up, add them up, divide by two, divide by two. Add them up, add them up, divide by two, divide by two. Okay. Yep. Nothing tricky. Don't look for The world wouldn't be that complicated. If the world, I would quit if it was that like that. That would be like a Twilight Zone episode. You mean you have to subtract now? What? <laughs> Something's wrong. You're entering a world of light and sound and statistics. It is. The analysis of variance. Submit it for your approval. I'm doing a, a guy that none of you have ever seen. Um, he died before I was born. I was five. Take two from A1 and two, negative two from A2, and I did that. You can always convince yourself, oh, look, well, that sums to zero. That's good. The A is summed to zero now. Let's take a look here. 15 minus 1 is 14, and negative 15 plus 1 is negative 14. It's going to be 7 and negative 7. I don't know what that extra A is there for. I don't know what that's doing there. But like I just said, notice that the cell sum to zero. The grand mean's gone. And so the columns, because we've taken out. Oh, that makes sense. We've taken out A, yeah. But that should, should be, oh, there's a space there. Damn you, variable width fonts. But now we'll do the rows going across. 15 minus 1 is 14. Negative 15 plus 1 is negative 14. The only way it sounded like I was subtracting because I was adding a negative number. That's all. That's probably what it was. No, that's probably what it was. It was probably because I just actually said 15 minus 1. And really what I'm doing there is I'm saying 15 plus negative 1. So I was probably saying that. That's probably what we're using. So 14 and negative 14, it's going to be 7 and negative 7. Again, divide by 2. So for B, we have B1 is 7 and B2 is negative 7. So let's, well, we should take those out. I've had about enough of B1 and B2. Let's remove them. They've had their time. Look, I've got to keep myself interested in this, too. Again, I've done 19 times. I, I look out there, and I just see everybody I've ever taught. Like I see Keo sitting over there, and there's Lori. I mean, it's just... Okay. Well, now what's left is going to be the interaction. So this time we have one. We've taken out the grand mean, we've taken out the A effect and the B effect. What's left? Well, there's nothing else left. Now, I want to tell you something. I have not put individual scores in these. These are just cell means. We don't have the error effect in this. Um, I can do it this way, but it becomes exceedingly complicated. So I'm just showing you what the analysis of actually does, how it breaks things down. But I'm not actually taking... Uh, these are just cell means. So we have an interaction, 
8, negative 8, negative 8, 8. Note the effect. The effect sum to zero in every possible way. It's like the Hollywood squares. <laughs> this way, this way. Well, not quite like the Hollywood squares because it doesn't work diagonally. It doesn't have to. They all together sum to zero. And they suddenly get uh, to zero in rows and columns. If it was just zeros, we'd have no interaction. But they aren't zeros. They're non-zero. But they still sum to zero. So that means being at A1, B1, not only do you have an effect of A and an effect of B, but also it adds eight more to your score. So we have an interaction here. But it, like everything else, always sums to zero. Oh, yeah, sir. Or you're just doing that with your hair or something? No? Yeah, or whatever the hell that is, I can't see. Oh, yeah, for all I know, you're just getting ready to shoot me. No one's going to. That's it, I've had enough broadback. <laughs> and you have any idea what you say at the end after you screw you. <laughs> if we graph this thing, it looks like that. Now that should tell you right away there's an interaction. Right? That's an interaction. That's the lines cross. Can you talk about one effect without talking about the other? Well, no, the lines freaking cross. Right? It's impossible to mention one without the other. The lines cross. One thing to do with these things actually is graph it out first. To give yourself an idea of what you should for. Alright. For that notes. Happy in
podcast is released under a Creative Commons copyright share like 2.5 Canada. Uh, feel free to redistribute the information as you see fit, but please don't make any money out of it. And if you do, you got to tell me because I'm reserving that right. Giving up all the other ones, including uh, mash it up any way you want, okay? Um, also, of course, give me attribution. If you want to get a hold of me, my email address is dave.broadbeck, B-R-O-D-B-E-C-K, at algomau.ca. My website is people.auc.ca slash broadbeck slash blog. Uh, most of the music, uh, all the music's Podsafe, and most of it comes from GarageBand.com or the Podsafe Music Network. See you next time.